Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Stopping All right, y'all, welcome back to another episode of Small Doses. We continue on with our educator series today with someone who has educated many of us on the internet, whether it's on TikTok or it's on Instagrams. Uh, I know that I have, I always look forward to a history video from, on on Instagram, it's Mr. Krim, but here it is, Ernest Krim Third. Welcome to the show. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Amanda. It's a pleasure and honor to be here. Uh, I can't wait to have this conversation. It's long overdue. Let's <laughs> yes. get to it. Yeah. <laughs> so, I guess first off, I want to start from the beginning. Um, We've been doing this series now with a number of different educators, and it's always fascinating to hear just, like, how folks found their way to deciding that the education space was where they wanted to be in. Because it's not, like, glamorous, you know? It's not—and I don't even think it's something that people are necessarily um, mentored into. Like, I don't feel like we've had anybody who, you know, someone early on was like, you should be a teacher. Like, I don't think that's, like, a thing. So I'm curious to hear how you found yourself becoming an educator professionally. Yeah. So first off, my mom was an educator. She taught in the South Side of Chicago and was an administrator for 35 years. Wow. Um, yeah. My my grandmother. So her, her mother was a social worker. Um, my grandmother's sister was an educator. So I, I come from that in my lineage. But I'll say, though, they weren't molding me to be that, you know, as, mm. as you said. This wasn't something that I was like, you know, you're going to be next in line. It was right. really just like you going to college. You know what I'm saying? Like that, that was the thing. My dad worked at Sears for 30 years. Same thing. He like, you going to college, you going to school. Um, I think just for me, it was like, you know, I think it's important for us to understand that we learn things subconsciously as well. Like there's explicit learning and there's implicit learning. So like I was explicitly to my, to myself, of course, I was going to be an athlete. You know what I'm saying? That's young black male. NBA, NBA, you know what I'm saying? I was, I was going to be retiring around this time. Actually, we have a hooper. I I had it all (laughs) mapped out like football was just like, I know I want to be on the finesse thing with the, on the court. But like I grew up seeing my mom, she, to me encapsulated, not just teaching in the class, but like teaching for life. So my sister, four years older than me, um, we would be te- like my mom would take us on a journey pretty much like she would take her students outside of the class to church every Sunday. That's something we saw. She would like she would pick them up. And, and at that time, beat down car, you know, what I'm saying cram us all up in there and we're going to church. And these are kids from Roseland on the south side of Chicago. And one of the things that really had a huge impact on me was when these kids were, um, I think my sister was probably around that age too. She was 12 or 13. She took her eighth grade class from the South Side in the 90s to Washington, D.C. And she was able to raise money to fund that entire trip. So like for me, there was the, the lines were blurred between educator, mentor, yeah. community activists. Like I'm going to union meetings with my mom. I didn't even know what a union was. I just knew they had food there. So like, yo, let's go, mom. We're going downtown to the CTE union meetings. And 
throughout my life, I just had a love for, for learning. So it was like for me, and I, and I love my parents because they never like discouraged me. It was like, okay, yeah, you're going to go to the NBA and then what? You know, it was that conversation. You know, let, hey, never mind the fact that I wasn't even starting in high school <laughs> or whatever. But, but they were still, they were still supportive. Right, it's right, like, okay, right. but, but what you going to study? You know what I'm saying? So like for me, I, I loved learning. Um, I had a vivid imagination and I always realized too, I loved helping people. My mom tell, told me a story recently about how when I was like in fourth grade, one of the things that stopped me from being so bad, you know, and I say bad in quotations because mm-hmm. I think we're mislabeled that a lot. But one of the things that stopped me from getting into trouble was I was uh, used by an, a teacher to help like the preschool and kindergarten kids. I was in fourth grade helping out me those too. kids and, and oh, you know, and, and mentoring. See, <laughs> <laughs> see that if you want to make sure your child is successful, make sure around fourth grade they help out mm-hmm. the younger kids. All right, give them some yeah. responsibility. So in high school, I'm applying to colleges. Um, I don't know what I want to major in. I had good grades. I picked psychology because I figure I'm the person people go to when they have problems and stuff. So maybe I want to do that. Okay. All right. Okay. I go I go to school. Now, this is where the educator thing comes in. My first semester at the U, at U of I, Urbana-Champaign, I was on academic probation. I almost flunked out. Uh, I didn't. I, the transition was horrible. I didn't get a grade above a C that semester. But is I, it because of the amount of schoolwork or was it like the environment was so different? Like, because you, Urbana-Champaign, yeah. like, you were, were you commuting or were you living on campus? I was on campus. I okay. was there. Yeah, um, I it's all of the above. Like in high school, I got great grades, but I didn't really have to try. You know yeah. what I'm saying? It was like you show up, you do your work. You know, um, in college, it was like you show up, you listen, you study, you study, you study, and I that wasn't connecting. <laughs> and like in the way in which they were uh, facilitating tests, and I never liked multiple choice exams. I was doing awful. I had a 1.4, and that was after I dropped some courses. Yeah, so I was like, you know what? This might not be for me. I don't know. Like I, <laughs> I'm, I'm not. I'm not ashamed to drop some quick and be like, no, let's try something different. So I right. said, I'm gonna give psychology one more semester, but at the same time, I'm gonna take a Black History course. Now, my mom was an educator, math teacher, but blackness was all in our house. Mm-hmm. I have a, a picture of Malcolm X in my, in my office right now. I tell people I grew up in a Malcolm X household. We had a lot. We loved King, of course, but my mom was like, if somebody put their hands on you, right. make sure they don't do it again type household. So I said, I want to take a Black History course because they nourished that love. Let me see what it's about. Fell in love. Like, yeah. fell in love. Mm-hmm. Simultaneously, I I took a uh, I took my next psychology course, and it was ba- the grade was based on three exams. I failed the first one. I said, okay, okay. it's time to go. Yeah. <laughs> it's time mm-hmm. to go. So, and I'll kind of stop it right there, but like I had a professor that was so amazing. I said, I want to be a professor, educator in some form or fashion. And then the next black history course I took, that dude was a notch above and come to find out that dude also, Professor Abdul Al-Kamat taught my mom at UIC 30 years what? prior. Can't make this up. It's in my book. It, it's a true story. True story. Wow. Yeah. yeah. So you made the decision. Now, did that come easier? Oh, yeah. You know what? So check this out. So the first Black History course, I think I got like a B or something. That was like my highest grade in college up until that point. (laughs) And and, and I was able to evade uh, being kicked out. out. I would have had to go back to my neighborhood you know, work a job, go to a community college. Yeah. And, and the dudes on my, in my neighborhood, I'm from the south side of Chicago. A lot of them did not, you know, they didn't have that the same type of upbringing I had. So mm-hmm. that wasn't the place I wanted to be. So the, the class I took with that professor taught my mom, oh, I got an A in that class. And check this out. 
Not one multiple choice exam. This dude made us write a paper every dang week. Yeah. Professor Abdul Alkamat. And I loved it. Really? <laughs> so I, why did you I like that? Because I, I, to me, when I had the essay questions on tests, I felt like I could write and write. Yes. And then eventually the answer is in there. So you ain't going <laughs> to mark the whole thing wrong. <laughs> it's in there it's at least one sentence. Right. You know what I'm saying? But no, I, I, we used to, this dude took me out to get coffee. You know, we had great conversations. I said, I got to do what he's doing because the impact he had on me, I got to have on somebody else. So what would you what would you say um, once you got into the teaching profession, what would you say were some surprises, positive and negative that you experienced? And also, like, what grade level were you teaching? Yeah, high school, because I said high school is a notch below college because I felt, you know, I was impacted in college. But I said, I want to impact children, our kids before they get to that level. Um, The positives immediately were like I saw my impact, like I I saw that I made a difference. It was easy to me, too. Like I started working my first two years. I taught at an alternative school on the south side of Chicago and I actually worked there over the summer when I was in college. Um, One of my first like times working over the summer in college I walked out of my class one day, came back. One of the kids ripped my paper back when people read newspapers. <laughs> they ripped my paper to shreds. And and I was like, and I went home that day. I might have been like 2021. 20, and I and I and I still wanted to do it. And and these are kids who like kicked out of school for hidden teachers, uh, maybe selling drugs in school, maybe brought a weapon to school. This is also around the same time, too, when I started teaching at that school where like Chief Keith was on the rise and he was also at an alternative school somewhere in my area. So I had a lot of kids telling me about his music and, and, and some of the, you know, the reasons why he was kicked out. But like I saw the impact, though, even though that situation happened, I was like, if I can like teach at this school right here where these kids have been pushed out dang near. That was dang near like a jail school. And I, and I love those kids so much. Um, my frustration never came from them. And, and I felt like I was doing something to help them move in the right direction. But the thing, and also too, when I went to a bigger school that was mixed, black, white, Hispanic, when I saw that, I was able to also impact white and Hispanic kids the same way. That shocked me. More oh. so the white kids. More so the white kids. Because I had kid, white kids who were from a nearby um, like cons- you know, conservative. I don't even want to call it like conservative. Like, and not in Chicago anymore in Joliet. So like a conservative town, you know, Confederate flag type stuff. Okay, and, and yeah, and these kids loved my class. I said maybe I'm onto something, and I'm keeping it real. Like, look, the same person I'm, I am online. I've been that way in class. <laughs> I think honestly, though, like kids appreciate honesty. Like yeah. they they appreciate authenticity because that's really the most um, childlike part of us, right? Like children are going to give it to you straight because they haven't even been taught how to manipulate and evade. And, you know, they until they are a part of this society where they get taught like, oh, I guess I'm not supposed to say that. So yep. let me find these other ways and tact and et cetera, et cetera. So when yep. we do that, I feel like we connect with kids in a real way because we're meeting exactly. them at their medium. Um, yep. Yep. So you said that when you were in these classrooms and uh, you were with these kids, it was not the kids that was frustrating you. It was other things. What were the things that were frustrating you? Well, the first thing uh, was that I had to do more than teach. <laughs> and that, that sounds really basic, but I am 
Like, I love, like, the conversation. I love the teaching. I love interaction, the fist bumps. I love doing creative ideas. Like, I love that type. I'm an artist, you know? Um, But when the class stops, you have to do a lot of work. And, like, if you could see the rest of my office, you would see what I mean. It's like you you have to grade papers. Right. Uh, You know, like... Yeah, you got to grade papers. It's like, oh. So, I give you, like, it's almost like you are on your podcast, but then you also have to produce it. You have to like, you know, send all the emails. Um, you have, you know what I'm saying? You have to like, you know, you write the book, you edit the book. You're doing, you're, you're the, you're like Tyler Perry dang near. Like when he in the movie, writing, directing, <laughs> like you're, you're everything, and you, but you're not getting compensated the, exactly. the same way. <laughs> you right, know what right, I'm saying? Right. And it got to the point where it's like, y'all got, I got 150 kids, but y'all give me one period to grade, assess, call parents, Fill out IEP stuff, um, rest, relax, 20 minute lunch. Oh, you can't be serious. Yeah. It's just not <laughs> practical. Not at all. Not I at all. I think a lot of us don't know that though. If we're not in the profession, you know, you kind of just people send their kids off to school and it's yeah. not, it's like you don't realize that the teachers have the same amount of homework as the kids. Oh, man. And we actually got to do it. Yeah. Yeah. There's that part. There's that part. I mean, did what did you ever switch from the alternative school to like the public school system? Yeah. So, um, so what happened was after two years there, I was so I was living in. I moved out to a nearby town, Joliet. Shout out to Joliet, and um, I found a job out there. And the reason why I was willing to do it, and the reason why I loved it, was because it was they call it a suburb, but it's more so like a town because the demographics were the same, and also the poverty level. They like their their uh, the central part of their town looked like a city. You know, so when I went there, I felt like I'm teaching kids the same way I would have taught kids in um, Chicago. I, I did not want to go to a school where the vibe was very suburban and uppity and privileged. Um, so and, and that's where I had the situation where the the, the white kids were, t- were. I was finding out how much they loved my class. Um, and that's when so I was getting paid more, of course. But the like it wasn't just the money. It was like the frustration. It was like I'm not having enough time to get stuff done. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it, and also, too, eventually, once the honeymoon period, of course, wears off, it's like, I want to do more. Um, and then when I try to do more, I have to go through this bureaucracy. And I, I'm, I'm like, this being real, I know more than you about teaching our kids. But because I don't want to be an administrator, it's not like, you know, in this system, if you don't have the title, people are like, oh, what do you know? If you don't like, yes. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I don't honor that. That's not my culture. That's not our culture. It's not based on that title. It's based on the lived experience. You see the results. Now, listen to what I'm saying. It's going to work. And that just doesn't happen a lot in education. Unless you're a principal or something like that. Did you ever, I mean, I know your mother was in administration. Did you ever say to yourself, maybe that's where I want to take this? So I can have more power to make more changes? I did. I thought about it. Um, You know what? And when I was in high school, that's when she became an administrator. And I had never seen her so stressed out in my life. <laughs> and, and I was like, and me and my mom, like, if you meet her, we, we look the same and we have the same personalities for the most part. And I'm just like, that's, I'm, I got into education and she was very effective at, at what she did. But I got into education, I know, like, to be with the kids. And I also saw how it worked in our school system where it's like, you're behind the desk, you go to the district office, you got a cubicle. I had a cubicle job before, hated that. Um, I got to observe teachers, so I'm interacting with them more than the kids. And I feel like if I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm great at what I do. So why would I remove myself from that position? You know what I'm saying? It's almost like, yeah. 
why would why would you retire early to coach when you still have years to play? So now, when did you decide? All right, I got to get up out of here. Yeah, so probably maybe about six. I don't want to say exactly six years in it. So it's a couple things. Um, six years in it is when the hate crime situation happened with me and my wife, which became the the motivation for the book I wrote, Black History Saved My Life. That was 2016. But Can then, you tell folks about that who don't know? Yeah, yeah, definitely. So um, July 30th, 2016, my wife and I went to this um, event on the south side of Chicago um, called the Margarita Fest. And she's an educator, too. So we were just out there having a great time. It's, it's a black event for the most part. You had a few white folks there. And um, on the way out, we decided to play cornhole. And that's a game where you toss the beanbag. So we go over there. There's a group of people, two black and two white. And we noticed they had all the beanbags. There, there was an open station by us, but there was only one. So one of the individuals in the group threw a beanbag and went extremely far. Um, nobody went to grab it after a while. So my wife goes to grab it. And then a white lady in that group, Jessica Lynn Sanders is her name. She like, you know, bum rushes us dang near and just starts screaming at us. And um, she's like, over irate. a beanbag, over a beanbag. You know, and uh, now mind you, context 2016, this is the rise of Trump. Yes. Um, yes. Rise of hate crimes and things like that. This is like two or three weeks after Philando Castile, Alton Sterling. Mm-hmm. You know, this is like um, a year after Sandra Bland when we found out nothing, no charges and any of that stuff. So like, and she's there with two black folks, but she's screaming at us. And we're in an isolated area. Um, there's like people dancing on the side, but you have to be really close to hear what's going on. She's just screaming, and I'm just like, nah, that's not how you approach people. So I immediately started screaming back. Um, she gets so, you know, just like, that's just how it's going to happen. <laughs> and she gets so frustrated, she starts calling us the N-word. So I'm just like, I in disbelief. And her, like, two black friends are starting to move in. For the people listening, if you go to YouTube and type in her name, Jessica Lynn Sanders, you'll see the video. And she starts to move in. And I'm just, I'm, I'm like screaming at the black people. Like, honestly, what are you, like, get your friend. Yeah, like, I, I mean, I wasn't, that had never happened to me that way. Now, I did have somebody call me the N-word in college, but they were driving in the car. But this is the first time face-to-face. And I'm okay. like, so y'all just gonna, right. I was more disappointed than them. I hear you. Um, yeah, so I take I take out my phone, and, and then, like, she slaps it out my hand. Huh? Um, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. And then... Um, I pick it up. I record. I say, I want you to say all your, say everything, your name, your address. I just want everything so I can put you on blast. She takes a step forward, moves back and spits on us. And I'll just leave it at that. And I, and I, I yeah, I'll leave it at that. So when well, you that know, that's happened, assault. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. So, um, you what's know, your wife the, doing at this point? Oh, well, see, so she, once she started screaming, I kind of like got in front of her a little bit because it was like, you know, it was one dude, but it's four people total. So I tried to like get in front a little bit um, and the spit got mostly on her, but it got on me as well. It, it was it was like we were bo- we were all screaming just right. like in disbelief, just disbelief. Like, right. honestly, you just don't expect that, especially at a majority black event. You know, exactly. if you go into a majority white space, you kind of prep, prep yourself. yourself. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, yes. You say, OK. Just gotta, you know, you, you just the you're odds just aware. are high, you know, it, it, just it, it go down. Yeah, the whole exactly. point of a black space is to feel like, well, we're in a safe space, and I mean, that's what we do with Smart, Funny, and Black. Like, I want people to know yeah. that when they come to that type of space, they don't, they don't have to have that level of guard up. So that's that that is definitely yeah. frustrating, yeah. on a that, and that's a generous word. Yeah. 
This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Now, you all know I am a very, 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 very big supporter of therapy. And I think a lot of people think therapy cannot maybe be for them because they don't know how to access it or they may not find the right person fast enough. There's a million reasons people come up with for why they don't want to get therapy, but there's no excuse for at least just trying it, especially when you have BetterHelp, okay? Now, BetterHelp is the world's largest therapy service. It's matched 3 million people with professionally licensed and vetted therapists available 100% online. And it's a Affordable. All you got to do is fill out a brief questionnaire to match with a therapist. And if things aren't clicking, you can easily switch to a new therapist anytime. It couldn't be simpler. And I just want y'all to know that you can get a new therapist. Like you don't have to just match with the first person and think that's the only one that exists. Sometimes you got to try it out, but don't give up on therapy just because it's not the right therapist. There's no waiting rooms. There's no traffic. There's no endless searching for the right therapist. Learn more and save 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com slash doses that's betterhelp h-e-l-p dot com slash doses y'all know that to me this podcast particularly is all about making sure that we are being our best selves by serving ourselves with the best opportunity at our best health and that's physical and mental therapy can help you do that so let's get better help so this moment Mm -hmm. happens in 2016 and you said it was the catalyst yeah. for which next step? So, as you can imagine, I, I had this on camera, all right? And I don't want to, like, grab the book if y'all listening. I don't want to ruin all this stuff. You can read a bunch of articles about it, too. But I, 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 we left. She was kicked out eventually. But I was like, that's a crime. She should get arrested. I looked at my phone. I had all the footage the way I expected I posted it online and asked people for her information. I, we, by the time we got home, I was gonna we say. had all, oh, <laughs> the internet going internet, right? <laughs> and, and look, that was my first public post on Facebook. Like, I didn't have an Instagram, none of that stuff. I, I made that public and it, and it spread. It had like about 300,000 by the next day. And I was like contacting all the news and everything and just trying to get her information. And I spent the next two weeks trying to find lawyers. Um, you know, we got hate mail. People sending us like anonymous hate mail. Like we did something. I was going to say, you know? yeah. Oh, yeah. It, I mean, that, so the anxiety was on another level. Yeah. And now, two weeks later, mind you, we have to go back to work in a majority white school district um, where I was like one of three black male teachers. My wife was the only black woman uh, teacher at black woman teacher at her school that she was at in the same district. Um this was not, this was everywhere in our area. And to go into a space where it's like it didn't happen, it, it just, it, you know what I'm saying? You know how that is, right? It's, oh, it's like, I know exactly you know, like, how that it, is. It's, yes. like, it's like, we just saw Eric Gardner. We, we just saw Mike Brown. We just saw Sandra Bland. But you go to work and everybody just like, hey, how you doing? What the, what do you mean? How, how am I, I doing? doing? <laughs> yes. What are you, you know, like the, the day to me, we found, like every time we found out a verdict and I had to go back to work the next day, it, it, it like hurt my soul. And that was the straw that broke the camel's back to me because I didn't feel like, I mean, it's just how we are in white space. I didn't feel comforted. And and, mm-hmm. and that's just what it is. So I, I a few months later, I had people asking me to speak and share my event. I had a close friend I went to grad school with that wanted me to go to a local school. Um, and I went and did it. And I was like, yo, this, this felt pretty good. Um, the second time I shared, it was a, a paid gig. And I was like, what? this for 30 minutes? <laughs> and I'm talking about me and I'm teaching. I said, okay, nah, this, mm, I, got, I got paid more than I get paid. You know, I'm like a few days or a yeah. week or whatever. So 
the more I spoke, the more I felt the urge to break free because when I came back to school, I was restricted about what I could talk about because I had to follow this this curriculum. Yeah. And I would put in all types of creative stuff. But like sometimes I don't want to talk about World War One. Like sometimes I don't want to talk about the Spanish-American War. I want to and I would sometimes take half the class to talk about an event that just happened in the news. But then my kids get behind. So over the course of 2016 to when I resigned in 2022, um, I was just working to expand my reach. to Because for me, it was like 150 kids a year is cool. Over nine months, that's cool. But how about I reach 150 kids every time I speak? Or how about, or how about I post these, these things online? Right. And it became a thing of where I, I, need, I need liberation. I need freedom. Um, and I can't tell my kids, my students, about what we did to break free if I'm still restricted in the shackles, in my opinion, you know. You know, it's interesting, though, to hear you say that your first post on Facebook was about this, this you know, terrible uh, interaction. And now you're a social media. <laughs> like, yeah. That's like your yeah. shit. So yep. Yep. how was it even learning the social media of it all? Because I feel like it's an ongoing struggle for me. Oh, very tough. So I had I had, you know, I had, I'm an OG Facebook person. You know what I'm saying? I don't go in there a lot now, but. I had it back. I was in college. My first year is when Facebook had its first year and it was just for college kids. So I would like, here's how, how I knew all this stuff. is It came full circle. When I would go to my black history course, like I was the dude where when they let us do stat, when they let us do statuses, I would post statuses about what I learned in, in class. I was just nerding out that way. I was like, yo, did y'all know that? Frederick, you know what I'm saying? That's, <laughs> <laughs> it's like in 2006. I'm like, Frederick, that, like, so like, I used to think they that record that back, by the way. They should, yeah. That was actually yeah. like a one that's like one part of Facebook that I appreciated, the statuses. Cause it would just tell you about somebody off rip. Yep, yep. hundred percent. So I didn't I started posting like vlogs after that uh hate crime because Facebook took down my page because somebody reported me for having a fake name. Because, you know, a teacher, I didn't want like kids follow, like finding my page. Uh, so I had yeah, I had okay. Ernest C three was my name. They weren't even that crazy. So I posted a vlog the next day. I made a, like, my wife made a page for me on Facebook. That was, like, my public figure page. And I'm, and that was the way I started to communicate. Um, now, my, it took a while for me to find my niche, though, because I would post videos like that. But then I would also post, like, family stuff and everything. So that's just not the way you do things. Yeah. <laughs> so from 2017 until 2021, it took me that long to really find what I wanted to do. Okay. In terms of social media. And that's when I started posting TikToks in late March of 2021. That's when I said, oh, I'm on to something. People like this. How did Let's the pandemic going. play into that? Oh, so the, so if 2016 was the straw that broke the camel's back of me having this desire to move forward, the pandemic was like, bro, why are you, why are you still under the camel? You right. know, like, the, like, <laughs> like you... The camel's it, it was, back broke a long time yeah, ago. Like, <laughs> you just still... So, like, we started... We when we st- when we did remote learning, I was like, this can't be life. This this yeah. Those look, you see. So imagine talking to twenty people on Zoom and nobody ever responds to you, and it's just black screens for a whole year. That's what we had to do. It was torture. Why wouldn't they have their screen like their cameras on? Could, they, I mean, so our kids, so our kids already were dealing with a lot of anxiety. Um, it was it was a strain sometimes to, you know, convince kids to talk in, in group settings and things like that. We had to get real creative. So this was something that was 
simmering below the surface because of social media, I think, you know, just our reliance on that. But 2020, that just, again, it it just exasperated that issue. And we couldn't force kids to put their cameras on. So like they didn't want to, you know, and I I get it. I I didn't grow up in this era. So I understand like they didn't want to be viewed a certain way if they didn't feel like they looked their best. And on social media, on Zoom, all eyes are on you directly. Whereas in class, we all facing the same. We, we're okay, all facing the yeah, same yeah, way. Yeah, 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 you know yeah. what I'm saying? Okay, that makes <laughs> yeah. sense. I didn't so even I think w- of it that way. And I would sometimes have one or two kids that put their uh, cameras on. Shout out to them. But we got out of school early. That let me know that we didn't have to be in school the whole day. Um, it was very frustrating, but I went through it. And that's when I also said that, look, I already make my own course. I can do this. Like, why am I having, you know, why do I have to go through them to teach my kids, our kids, the way that I know um, they need to learn. So, and that's, of course, unfortunately, because of what happened with George Floyd and Breonna Taylor, everybody wanted to care about what the type of stuff I was doing. I published my book unknowingly, like, you know, three weeks before the pandemic hit, and then a few months later, George Floyd. So people are concerned. So I get a lot more requests. And it became easier to manage that during remote learning. But when we went back, and I had people wanted to co- have me come speak in person or speak online. It was like, OK, I'm getting to a point now where I'm making more money. I'm getting more looks. I see more potential and growth. And I can only make more money as an educator if I become a principal or if I teach for 30 years. And it ain't happening. No, the 30 year stretch <laughs> ain't happening. Right. What right. do you feel like once you found your niche? Like, what do you feel like? How would you define it? How would you define the niche that you found? Oh, yeah. Um, so I, I tell people I use black history to educate, empower, eradicate racism on the other end of that, create equitable systems. Um, okay. Because for me, so the premise of my book is when that hate crime happened, I fought back. And, and, I, and it's just not the way I used to fight back. But I have a lot of patience, you know, so I fought back over the course of going to court. You know, time and time again, I fall back because I realized that I was not what she said about me. Rather, she was what she said about me. You know, I fall back because like my mom and dad showed me all these regal images of blackness throughout my life. So when you try to denigrate me, that really is just kind of like you just really lost your mind. And and I realized in the and this is I started writing the book, not just because of that hate crime, but I had a breakdown one day on the way to work where I was just feeling really I was in a bad spot. Um that was cathartic for me because I said, you know what? I've made it this far, um, you know, beyond the spiritual aspect, of course, because every time I dealt with racism, my history was the counterpunch to it to say, yeah, you know, six years old, I had a, a white friend tell me, oh, Santa Claus ain't black. Why are you coloring Santa Claus black? You know, there's little small microaggressions like that. I, I had enough like knowledge and racial esteem to counter it and say, but this, you know, but this, I get pulled over. It's not my, not my fault, but this, you know what I'm saying? So it's, it's, it's saying that if we teach our kids to have pride in who they are and we reverse that propaganda to really show who we are, then we'll be able to uh, fight through this system a lot more effectively. Well, what do you feel like is impacting the system that we are looking at in terms of education these days. I think it's one thing for those of us who are on the outside, you know, but as an insider, 
what do you think is impacting the way educators get to educate? Because so many of the folks that have been on this show have left the school system. Yeah. Oh, man. So I'm, I'm trying to figure out the best way to word this. Um, the thing that's impacting education the most is we don't control our schools. Now, and, that, and that sounds a little weird because it is it's it's a public school. So we do have control, but our voices aren't heard. We aren't in the schools. So because of that, like the same things that were taught to keep us docile before, but like the lost cause theory about the, you know, about the Civil War being over so-called states rights. Our kids are still taught that to a certain degree. Not explicitly. And you're not going to have a situation every week where, you know, the, your teacher, uh, your child's teacher is a white supremacist like in, in Texas, where they just say, hey, I think we're better. <laughs> you're going to you're going you're gonna to have the erasure of indigenous stories, for example, like your child might not learn about the truth about Thanksgiving at all this week. Right. At all. That's an example. They might not learn at all about Frederick Douglass's impact on Abraham Lincoln and the Civil War and how we were already fighting for our freedom before the Emancipation Proclamation. So, I and, and I'm going to take it a step further and say, although in this generation, we don't usually aspire to be educators, in previous generations, we were all up in those schools. But Brown versus Board of Education took us out. Brown versus Board of Education had good intention, but one of the things we understand about this system is like those who practice white supremacy, they always adapt and adjust. And sometimes there there will be a step ahead on something. So it's like, yeah, like if you live next to this school right here, you should just go to that school and not have to go across town. But what they did was when the black they closed down our schools and then they fired all the black educators and then they created additional, excuse me, additional requirements to become a teacher which made it even more difficult and, and less accessible for a lot of us. So I just think it's that at this point, we have to realize we were the first educators of us, not with the title. We didn't have a fancy title and we were systemically removed from education. It ain't that we didn't want, well, don't want to, we right. were taken out. So we have to make our presence felt more because as we can see, I think that in South Carolina, even when we sometimes have a black man appointed to a superintendent, I just saw this story. They'll systemically remove this guy. Listen, because that he's, story. Finish what you're saying. I'm sorry. I, no, no, I'm, I'm just saying like we I mean, that that's the game that is being played. But, you know, we don't it, think that way, though. <laughs> like yeah, and some, yes. sometimes I'm like, is that. Is that our bad? Like, it, it's like it, sometimes I think if if we start thinking that way, then are we inevitably going down the same path as them or are we simply just using the same methods but to get mm. better outcomes and mm. because like that scenario in North Carolina if for those who who don't know there was there was a school district in North Carolina where six conservative like libertarian whatever like candidates found their way into running for school board and then got pushed onto the school board and within the first vote, they voted six to three to get rid of the first black superintendent that had ever sat in that seat. And you know that that was the only reason that they were voted into the school board, like for that purpose, to get rid of him. And yeah. I think that what we think is like, well, we got him in the seat. We did it. Yeah. And it's like, 
No, like they are waiting. It, we can't keep having anomalies, yeah. right? Like we, yeah. we, we make some shit happen and then it happens and then we're like, all right. And then yeah, yeah. they're planning. Like Stacey Abrams really, with a lot of help, managed to get Georgia purple, right? No, blue. She, they managed to turn Georgia blue. And then I think a lot of folks are like, well, yep. <laughs> woo, we did it. that was close. And I I mean, this is a bit off the topic, but I just look at this election and it's like, it could have went really, really, really badly. And it went, mm-hmm. I. But mm-hmm. that doesn't mean that it's like, whoo, yeah. well, yeah. staved off fascism. We're back in the saddle. <laughs> it's like, nah, like that was yeah. barely where we were. Like we, we really only eked by. And so that means that we have to keep on p- applying the pressure. But it's yep. so yep. exhausting. It is. It is. So it's like, and you bring up a great point, too, because I think we have to understand that when being engaged politically is not just about electing the rep, you know, the Senate, the president every four years or whatever, like your school board. You can run for that. You can elect people and the school board for all intents and purposes. They control it because they approve everybody that's hired. They approve the curriculum. Now, they're not there on the day to day, but they can impact that. And that's why it's very important for us to get engaged in that process. And I will say, too, I, I think and I'm, I'm sure you know this, too, like the I think the frustration and the effort we have to put in to to get these small victories exhaust us so much that we're like, oh, wait, there's more. Yeah, <laughs> there's, it, it's a politics. It's a day to day thing. So I remember when CBD started popping and like people were telling me all about CBD, CBD, this, CBD, that, CBD, BBD. Um, And I was just like, I mean, I guess. And I tried it and I was like, is this supposed to be doing something to me? Because I felt like it really, really wasn't working. But that was honestly until I had tried Next Evo Naturals. And I tried it because they have a different technology that they use with their CBD oil. And it's called Smart Sorb Technology. And it's basically clinically proven to help your body absorb CBD four times better than regular CBD oil. And it works faster. So when you feel the stress coming on, you're not wasting your time thinking like, all right, I did the CBD thing. Is the CB doing it? I don't know. So I really like it for that reason. I know that it's working. I can feel it. And I think that if you don't, CBD is one of those things where like, if you don't feel it working, then it's not really working. You know what I'm saying? Because like most CBD oil, like the ones found in like tinctures or gummies or capsules achieves between 2% and 10% absorption, which means more than 90% of what you think you're getting is actually wasted. However, with Next Evo Naturals, they are scientifically formulated to deliver you more CBD in a way that your body can actually use it and fast. And it's proven 29 times better absorption in the first 30 minutes. You can use it to help fight stress. You can use it to help fight, you know, trouble sleeping. Um, You know, these are things that a lot of people are dealing with, but they don't want to use medication. CBD from Next Evo Oils can help you in your pursuit of calmness and of rest. So get to the root of stress with the Stress CBD Complex from Next Evo Naturals. For up to 25% off subscription orders of $40 or more, use promo code DOSES at nextevo.com. That's N-E-X-T-E-V-O.com. 
promo code DOSES. It's going to absorb y'all. You're going to know it's working. And I will tell you, from your videos, I have been exposed to just the myriad of ways that this country is even worse than I even thought it was. So (laughs) you're just like, well, yes, this is a day-to-day thing because the amount of shit that we are up against is more than I think any of us can truly, truly comprehend. And the, the videos that you've put on these internets, I'm telling you, they have really opened the eyes for a lot of folks, myself included, in just how committed this country has been to the degradation, the mm. uh, suppression, and the oppression of Black folks. And of yeah. other people, too. But if we're just yeah. specifically contextualizing Black folks, I I marvel almost at just, like, how are y'all so dedicated yeah. to this? Like, like you... Like- yeah, you you putting in that much. You must. We must really be special. Baby. You set up that that many traps. Like, <laughs> like, just, I'm like, we we clearly here? don't know about our dopeness because y'all know something we don't know because the <laughs> right. levels of effort that are being gone to are just unfathomable. Oh, that's, what that's do you true. feel like? Um, what do you feel like being in this new space with how you're educating? Like, how do you feel like that's affected you you know it has um I, I i truly mean that for me like i chose teaching not because i thought it was oh you get the summers off oh you get to do this like i i felt like it was a calling and i tell people this is to me it's the same way as when somebody feels like they need to become a pastor i felt like i had a calling to being that being be with the youth because there's a part of me where I can, I still know how to connect. Like I, like mm-hmm. you know, we're we're all that young version of ourselves, and in the in the moment where we take ourselves too serious is the moment when we stop. To, especially in this type of work, you stop being effective, yeah. and that's when your life begins to end. So I just, I, I felt like I, I had to free my, I had to free myself, and I had to put myself first. One of the first times in education, there were many days where I probably shouldn't have gone to work because I wasn't feeling well mentally. There were many days where I wanted to stop in the midst of everything going on, but I was always like, well, the kids, the kids. And shout out to the kids. I love the kids. <laughs> but I love myself, and I got I have to love myself first to, to effectively serve and love them. And I had to put my feelings to the side for one moment and say, if you continue doing this, I had to realize you're going to break down. Like, you're doing too much. You're spreading yourself thin. And again... I, t- I would, again, I was, so I'm, I'm free now. So for real, I would sneak and take off work and go speak and stuff. You know what I'm saying? Like I couldn't, I couldn't, I mean, let's be real. Like I couldn't even post what I was doing. Yeah. And, I, and I'm over here like, how, I'm over here teaching them. Oh, Nat Turner, Frederick Douglass, Harriet Tubman, you know, Audie B. Wells. And to me, and again, it's not to say you can't, because we need folks in a class um, being liberatory in how they speak. Yeah. But I felt like for what I needed to do with my life, I was being hypocritical because I was doing this at the same time. I was preaching this. Then I go back and it's like, well, I can't, I, I can only do this. Or I can't say this online or I can't do this online. So it's, it's been a freeing journey, but it's also been a journey where I realized that I, a lot of what I learned then is some things I can apply today. But I also feel as though one of the most important things for us with education is realizing that it's not just within a school day. I think that's one of the biggest revelations that I think that's my new journey now, because we 
it'd be great if we all had like these black charter schools or small black schools we can send kids to that were, you know, teaching us what we needed to learn and blah, blah, blah. But unless you live in like these large cities and, and those are selective enrollment, mm-hmm. it's difficult. Um, but as parents, as community members, we can help educate our kids in various other ways. Online, taking them to field trips, you know, um, how we talk to them after school. I think going to these schools is important, too. And I'm talking like majority white schools, if your kid does, because you can have your child even learn how the system operates. I don't think I'd be the where I am now mm-hmm. if I had not gone, if I was not bused to that white school right. from first to eighth grade. Now, I learned the system. Go ahead. Sorry. Um, how old are your kids? Um, my kids are nine, seven. I got four, so I got to think. Nine, seven, <laughs> two, and six months. Woo, y'all busy. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> that's a, that's, that's um, a lot of them. <laughs> are they homeschooled or are they in uh, public school? Oh, uh, no, they're, they're in school. They're in school. Um, and, what do you, and, how do you and, feel about the public, about the homeschool movement? I think I, I think to each his own. I think it's important. Mm-hmm. I just me being real. I don't I don't think I think I could do a, like with my content. Yeah, I'll do history, but I, I I need my I need my space too. You know what I'm saying? Like I, I need to be. I don't I don't want to be teach like because if I'm teaching my kids all day, then how am I making a living? <laughs> I, just, I, I mean right. I mean and I get it. People got investments and stuff and everything, but I think that um you got you have those schools or people like I can't think of the name right now, but you'll have people who will like their friend will um, have like a small school, you know, a micro school. Maybe. Pods, I think. Uh, pod schools. Yeah. Yeah. I think I think those are probably more effective because one of the things that I appreciate about school, honestly, is that the fact that our kids get socialized social. in terms of getting get to meet people. And I, and I honestly, I want my kids to get the blackness here and other places. Yep. But also, too, I want them to learn because I, I want to learn the way the system works. I, I, want, I want them to learn, like, yeah, you see what you learned about Columbus? Yeah, okay, let's talk about that. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? What you learned about, like, my my uh, second born in kindergarten, she uh, said, you know, they were talking about Abraham Lincoln one day. I said, oh, what did you learn? He freed the slaves. I said, okay, let's talk uh, about that. <laughs> let's let's <laughs> talk about that. Right. Caveat, yeah, let's talk about that. So I think it depends on the person. I don't think that you're bad if your kids ain't being homeschooled. I don't think you're yeah. all the way good if your kids being homeschooled. I think what's most important is teaching your kids to be critical of things, critically think, so that they know how to assess any situation they're in. I really genuinely feel like that is the greatest um, resource that America is lacking, critical thinking. Mm-hmm. Like... Mm-hmm. I, I'm not talking about gas. I'm not going to talk about coal. I'm not. Gonna, I'm not talking about cobalt. Critical thinking. Like I know that I have managed to make a career out of my brain because I was taught how to do how to critically think early on. Yep. Like, and I'm not even sure when I was taught to do that, but I feel like I was always expected to do that. So I'm going to say mm-hmm. that I was taught in my house to do that. Like I was always expected to identify. Yep. Yep. Same. Put the picture together and solve it, yep. you know? You, and yep, yep. I don't feel like we culturally do that in a healthy way. I feel like mm-hmm. so many of our underserved black folks do have incredible critical thinking skills because they have to for survival, 
but it's attached to such negative interactions that it doesn't, it's not seen as an asset. It's not seen as like a tool for elevation. I think sometimes it ends up being seen as like this thing that I don't want to even have to utilize because it's attached to my survival and I don't, and that feeling is is anxiety ridden. Does that make sense? No, yeah, because our kids who have that intelligence, um, they're taught that they're bad. You know, one of the, one of the most important things I learned in education school, and I don't remember a lot because the most important thing about that was student teaching. But I remember Howard Gardner's multiple intelligence theory. And it talked about how you have some kids who are kinesthetic learners who, you know, some kids who are you know mathematical, some kids who like prefer reading and, you know, uh, learning through music and so on and so forth. That made like to me, it made so much sense to me because I was always that kid where I got great grades, but I never did like amazing on standardized tests. And I would always, you know, re- reflect on, you know, you get your test results at the end of the school year, the state exams. All your friends talking like, yeah, I scored this many levels above. And I was always like at or a little bit above. Yeah. I was like, man, is this something like I thought I was super smart. Listen, (laughs) I had to fight for that 1030 on that SAT. (laughs) I had to fight. Oh, 100 percent. I took the ACT 21 like that. That's like the the average of the average. I think I landed at an 1110. But I had classmates who I know I'm smarter than. Exactly. Getting that 13 something. And I was like, Yep, yep. Oh, so I feel you on that. No, but then the school system will say, Amanda, well, you're not smart enough. And But like your, again, like you said, your career is based on intelligence. Literally. Smart, black, funny. Like, I mean, it's it's based it's based on that, you know? So like for me, I, I just, I, I like, to, I, think, think about hip hop. So many of our great mm. artists, you know, have not finished school, but like, I'm still trying to figure out why our kids. Shout out to Shakespeare, though. I like some Shakespeare, but like, why? Why? Where's Tupac? Like, we talking? These are the present day griots and poets. Yeah. If if Shakespeare was dope back then, then like Nas then dropped another classic. Like, come on, why are we not dissecting KD three? Okay, okay. I mean, I just, I just, I love Nas. But I, I do. I, 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 <laughs> I get has, more excited. It has some moments, but I don't feel like there's any songs on there that made me want to hear it again. Yeah, yeah. I, I feel you. I just, I just, I'm. I ain't gonna lie. I'm just like so excited <laughs> that he's this age still it's dropping. So, like yes. just. It's like Tom Thoughtful Brady type. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So like if our if, if our kids can see that your ability to create a song, your ability to to do this, you got somebody some kids get the worst grades in class, but then they notebook, they over there like they can draw the whole cast of Black Panther and it look like it's the actual yes. movie. You know what I'm saying? Yes. So I I just think that that's that's not something that's being cultivated enough. Mm-hmm. Um and and I, and I think that's where I've tried to, you know, in, enforce those things more because at the same time, I want my kids to do well in school. But you love watching TV all day. OK, make your own movie. They ain't teaching that in school. OK, come on, like get to it. Figure it out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> There's something to having a kid just sit still and create as opposed to making them do something every period for eight hours straight. Mm, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah. Boredom breeds creativity. Yeah, I mean, I just distinctly remember. I mean, I feel like I'm an only child, and had I had other kids around me, I don't know that I would have developed Mm -hmm. my imagination the same way. That Mm -hmm. just means me personally. Like, because I was so craving, like, friends, friends. I want friends, friends. 
um, <laughs> I was like obsessed with this whole thing about friends. <laughs> and, you know, to the point where I remember my mom dropping me off at Virgin Megastore. And uh, I was going to go buy a box set of the show Friends. And my mom <laughs> being like, you're so obsessed with Friends, you're buying a show called Friends. <laughs> and, but, I, but I really feel like I had friends. Like I would go to people's houses, but the alone time that I had really did foster this, this um, mindset of like, oh, I can make my own world. I can be my own yeah. ecosystem if, I, if yeah. I want to and if I need to. Yeah. I mean, before we go, I really want you to tell us about where you are now, like where you are yeah. now as an educator and where can people connect with you to take in the educational gifts that you have to give. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, Instagram, TikTok, I'm at Mr. Krim3, Krim 3 Follow me there. Amanda follows me, so you should too, okay? So if you don't follow me, I don't understand what you're doing. Um, for me, it's our kids would be on their phone all the time. So while I was teaching, I had videos online, you know, so it's like you're going to get this work in person <laughs> or when you like on your for you page, I'm popping up. My last year, I had kids walking past my class, recognize me off that, you know. Right. So I'm I'm going I, to me. It's you meet people where they are. Yeah, it was it was stressful trying to get kids off the phone. Um, but it's like it was a never ending battle. So like the future of education to me is is kind of like in the same sense of how we do movies and music now. It's going to be on demand. I think I think we need to find a way to have kids have more creative space but then also have stuff where they can just work on their own, like own pace, own scheduling. Mm-hmm. So I'm educating daily on uh on TikTok, on Instagram, but I'm also I'm practicing what I preach. I have a K through five course. That to me is the baby I want to continue to grow and mold. I was a high school teacher, teacher, but having kids now makes me realize how important those early, early. years are. Yes. And, and and I have a lot of energy. So like I would sometimes have classes that would match it. More times than not, high school kids are a little too cool. They just kind of be like, I'm like, hey, what's up, y'all? Happy Monday. <laughs> they just like, hey, you know, like so, but K through five kids, you hop on that Zoom or whatever. That's so like i I just i really want to grow that and again it's it's supplemental to what they're doing in school so your kids could be at a you know whatever school but then like they're gonna prop maybe they don't have a black teacher ever i'm i'm going to be that one online so when they look back they can say you know what i actually did have a black teacher and it wasn't just he was black it was like he was empowering he was teaching our history he was helping me love myself and create better systems and things like that i have a children's book that's out um the ABCs of affirming black children. So I'm basically, I'm deconstructing, I am reverse engineering what I feel made me successful culturally. Like I have my book that's for teens and adults, but now I'm like, I need to break this down for kids and parents step by step. I was affirmed as a child. Um, You know, I, I, I saw images of myself. And then with that book, what I'm doing for those who are listening, I'm trying to get in not just high schools to talk. I love high schools, but I want to get into as many K through five schools as I can to read this book to these kids. And I want to bring other black men with me because we're only about two percent, maybe a little less now because I left. Sorry, y'all. But your kid might not have a black male teacher. But guess what? Through this, 
they can still have black men in the school. And I think that can be uh, probably more transformative in some ways or equally mm-hmm. because they'll see different careers. They won't just see a black teacher. They'll see a black engineer. They'll see a black construction worker. They'll see a black lawyer and we'll be reading to them and then we'll have fun with them. So that's my next thing. That's my next mission. And I'm just I, I tell people I want to do for this generation what Carter G. Woodson did about 100 years ago. And I want to take it from he, he started off with the week then it became a month. So I'm going for the year. All right. <laughs> 365. Let's go. 365. <laughs> well, I'm here for it. I'm here for it. Thank you so much for your service. Thank you for your service. Um, and thank you for just continuing to give all of us this content um, on a regular basis. Like people don't understand that being a content creator is its own job that oftentimes is not getting, you're not getting paid for anything. Uh, but I know you do have a Patreon. So yeah. when, where can people subscribe to your Patreon? Is it just yeah. Mr. Krim? Yeah, so again, it's at MRCrim3. You can find that um, on Patreon, of course, but also, too, on my Instagram. You'll find okay. that. Um, and yeah, I mean, IG subscriptions, hit me up with a donation. And what I'm doing with these schools is, you know, I, I'm taking funds um, to purchase my books to buy for the kids I speak to. You know, so whether we get awesome. the money or not, we go in there. But if you want to help, you can do that. So, yeah. And if people want to book you to speak, where can they reach you? Yes, indeed. ErnestCrim.com. Check me out there. And all my social media has those links as well. But yeah, bring me to your school because I, your kids ain't going to be the same. Just, <laughs> I, just, I, I need to get in there. Like, I just man, bring me in, y'all, virtually or in person. Let's get it done. Well, we are so happy that we were able to bring you in right here to Small Doses. And I will be bringing Mr. Krim onto the Amanda Seals show periodically so he can share with us uh, in the radio landscape his um, his so his history lessons. You know, I think um, because I, I, I mean, I you don't understand, like there's so many times where you have put I think the video that most people can say. Mm-hmm. really turned their heads was when you told us about how the treadmill was created <laughs> yeah, for yeah. slaves. And you just like, God yeah. damn, even the treadmills! Like, when <laughs> I learned that, I was like, you know what? I give up. I give up. Yeah, like, if everything. Just, yeah, throw up. Th- everything you learned in school, throw it out. And, and I'm going to fear you up. But I'm not good. Look, I just learned that, too. So I want people to understand, I ain't just learned this in college. A lot of this right. stuff, I just, I research and I come across it. But before we get off too, I also want to say shout out to you for the radio gig. You're doing some amazing stuff. I want to give you your flowers. Uh, you are amazing. You're great. We need more Amandas that are helping keep the culture alive. Thank I appreciate you. you so much. For real, for real. Thank you, man. I'm just really, you know, working to be in as many spaces the same way that you are, where we are being authentic, where we are being connective tissues for the culture and community. And I feel like it's it can be tough to find spaces like that that are bigger than just our own little space that we're making. And so over there at Reach Media Radio 1, it's like one of the first times where I feel like I'm in a space bigger than me that wants me to fill the space. Mm. Um and so I was like, well, shit, then I got to I got to make sure that I use this platform to elevate other voices. And you are one of those voices that I want to make sure I continue, I get to elevate. So shout out Thank to you. you. Uh, everybody, again, follow Mr. Krim 3. Get some knowledge. I, I learned about, what was her name? What was the lady name? Um, Polly. That's, that's the <laughs> one, Um, Polly. Oh, that's when you put me on. I'll tell you, look, I'm sorry, we over time. But look, I, I, I was off work, right? 
I was going to mail some books. I must have had about five, 6,000 followers. I checked my mentions. I said, oh, what's what's going on over here? <laughs> I said, oh, snap, 10. I'm monetized. I said, oh, 15. Oh, my God. And I looked at my my, uh, my mentions. Amanda Seals, oh, stop playing. Stop playing. So, nah, it's, 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 it's been up since then. It's been up. Thank you. A podcast network.